It's another episode of the Wobcast 2.0. I'm your host, Wobby, joined by the usual cast of characters. It's Giles and Chase, and we are excited today. Uh, the offseason in general is frenzied. There's an element of chaos uh, for all teams in the offseason and for the NFL in general. This can lead to conversations about the offseason being disjointed or choppy at times. And, you know, you're trying to get your two cents in on every single topic today on episode seven of season two of the Wobcast 2.0, our focus is much narrower than that. Uh, we're going to, we're going to home in on two specific topics. Number one, building the linebacker room. As we continue our position by position, look at the Vikings roster during the off season, heading into 2023, we have come to the linebacker stop uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So we're looking forward to talking about that. And then segment two, we're going to talk draft and specifically quarterbacks and the idea of the Vikings taking a quarterback at 23 or wherever they may be in the draft. So those are the two things we're going to hit on today. Helping me do that will be Giles and Chase. Let's bring them in right now. Hey, fellas. Hey, hey, happy Monday. Uh, definitely an exciting time. Uh, as anyone that knows me personally, I'm a big fan of trying to take your weaknesses and turning them into strengths. And yes. uh, when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, the number one uh, deficiency across the entire 2022 season was, of course, the middle linebacker room. So I'm excited to yep. kind of break that down and understand what can we do to improve that and ultimately try to chase a championship. So let's do this. Let's let's do it. Chase, how you been? Really, really good. I'm excited to see uh, if Quasi can bring us to the promised land here. <laughs> All right. Well, um, if he's going to do that, um, the PFF data, data might suggest he should pay attention to his linebacker room. And Giles is going to get into that here in a minute before we talk about the Vikings personnel and what they may or may not do uh, before the season starts. But let me remind everyone the context through the context we have laid out here when it comes to defense uh, specific to the Vikings is, you know, the late the low hanging fruit data would suggest the Vikings might be a long ways away from where you need to be as a team to get to the Super Bowl to make a deep run. You, you might think after watching last season that it's almost a lost cause and you got to go like 2000 Rams on it and score 40 points a game. But a closer look at the data, and we did this at the end of season one of the Wobcast 2.0 and in the first couple of episodes of season two. So we encourage you to go back and listen. Uh, but before you do that, we'll summarize it for you. If you look at some of the key data, you, the Vikings might not be that far away from it, actually. When you look at some of the adjusted statistics, when you took a look at um, – some specific things that happened in the season. And if you correct some of those and a, an example was penalty yardage guys that you, mm -hmm. you have um, referenced quite a bit. If, if you, if you eliminate some of those mistakes that you can actually have control over and eliminate, it's not a necessarily a tear it all down and start from scratch situation for the Vikings on defense. And you need to be a top 10 defense. And the Vikings may have been a long ways away from that from a, a number standpoint, but they weren't a long ways away from that if you dig down deep into it. And so we remind you of that as we talk about what the Vikings can and might do at the linebacker position and why it matters. Because if you look at some teams that have had some success of late in the NFL, it kind of turns out their, their linebacker room played a pretty key part to it. So not an area that you want to ignore on your defense. And the last thing I'll say before I sort of open it up to Giles is 
we know that change needs to happen, but we don't know what type of change it's going to be. And I'm excited to see what Brian Flores thinks needs to happen here with this linebacker room, because I think what would have happened before Flores is different than what's going to happen now that Flores is here. So um, I've got some questions about what the Vikings should do. There's one very specific one that I'll get to, but let's let Guile sort of introduce uh, the topic from this point and, and bring some PFF data into it and look at what maybe teams like the Eagles or the chiefs did in this very important room, considering they're the teams who made it to the Super Bowl last year. And we're trying to get to where they just were. So Giles, you take it away from there. Absolutely. So I think uh, to, to kind of get started off here, let's take an evaluation of our existing or uh, actually the 2022 linebacker room, specifically the inside linebacker room. Um, you had your starting linebacker, uh, Eric Kendricks. He played just over a hundred thousand uh, uh, snaps. Um, he was pretty even across run and pass. And he ended the year at a 61.1 PFF grade, which is okay. not necessarily great. So um, what color would that have been on the uh, PFF? That would have color. been a yellow, kind of a okay. pale yellow. Remember, we always want to be green, right? So, yep. yep. Green, okay. if not blue in the PFF yep. world, blue means you are elite. Um, yep. So if you can aspire to anything, blue is the, is the color, but uh, yep. we are unfortunately in a pale yellow for Eric Kendricks. And he was followed by Jordan Hicks, who actually had a slightly uh, better PFF grade, which was a 65.4 grade. Now, I think it's important to denote here the strengths and weaknesses of each of those, because in, in a 3-4 defense, um, you have a Mike linebacker who, uh, for all intents and purposes, is your kind of the captain uh, of your, your uh, defense. He's the guy that's yep. going to be calling the plays. He's the smart guy. And then there's different names for the other guy, but uh, in some, some uh, vernaculars, they call them the Ted. And that person is a lot more of a strong um, like big, big guy that's going to be able to attack the run. So when you break this down, Eric Kendricks was elite in the run defense. Now he had some deficiencies when it came to coverage. And uh, from the run defense standpoint, he had an 81.1 grade. And from a coverage grade, he had a 46.4 grade. So that okay. is getting yeah. down into dumpster fire category. So if you're yeah. evaluating what he did well and what he didn't, great in run defense arguably elite in run defense, but horrible in coverage. So when yeah. you were evaluating him as the Mike linebacker, the guy that's being the quarterback of the defense, he was able to do that, but he wasn't able to be proficient when it came to coverage. Now, Jordan Hicks was the other way around. Or I, I should say he's actually uh, similar in some ways, and I'll get into Brian Asamoa here in a second, but he ended the, the year at a 79.8 grade in run defense. In fact, he was above 70 in every specific uh, category when it comes to a middle linebacker, except for coverage, he was a 50.4, but he was being asked to play uh, in the coverage uh, realm, which was, was not necessarily great. But then when you bring it down to Brian Asamoah, he ended the year at a 78.8 grade. And that's the other way around where uh, he was great in coverage, but not great in other categories. He was horrible in tackling. Uh, he okay. unfortunately ended the year at a 58.8. Um, so when you evaluate what worked and what didn't, unfortunately, I think we had the wrong people on the field. And we've had previous episodes about this where we had yeah. all the right players in the wrong positions. Yeah, that's right. Unfortunately, that was Brian Asamoah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So if you're able to swap out Brian Asamoah for Eric Kendricks, I really think you can have, actually have those positions switch where Brian Asamoah becomes that quick uh, go after the ball linebacker. And, uh, and Jordan Hicks becomes the guy that uh, unfortunately, or more maybe fortunately goes after uh, a lot of the run and tackling, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. He's going to be the slower, more stout guy. So 
when you pair all this this concept together, I try to take a, a three thousand look or three thousand foot view when it comes to middle linebackers and explore the entire NFL. And when I look at middle linebacker rooms, I like to break it down into two categories. Um, what was the max side of your linebacker room and what was the minimum side? So when you evaluate the data, when you look at two middle linebackers for a three, four defense, um, what player was best and what players were worst. And for mm -hmm. the for the best, that was the best. What was the upside? And for the, the one who was the worst, what was the downside? And looking for rooms that essentially had the lowest downside, but also the highest upside. And when you explore all the rooms in the NFL, Kansas City, their best linebacker had a 75.7 grade and their worst graded player had a 69.6 grade Philadelphia Eagles. Also the, the other team in the, the NFL uh, that made the Super Bowl. their upside had an 84.8 grade and their downside had a 65.0 grade. So when you evaluate that, obviously both of those teams made the NFL play uh, the, the Super Bowl rather. And when you evaluate our recipe to get there, I think, there's actually not far off uh, of a formula to get there because when you look at Jordan Hicks, for example, he ended the year at 65.4. Now, if you view him as the ceiling of last year, and now we've obviously extended him, he's going to go into the 2023 season as a Minnesota Viking. If you mm -hmm. now make him the floor and you bring in Brian Asamoa as a 78.8 graded player and you make him the ceiling, I really think you can make your way into a top 10 uh, linebacker room, which um, unfortunately we were not last year because of Eric Kendricks, but all, all that to say, I think if you can uh, equate Brian Asamoah's success on the field last year and, and equate that to success this year, I'm really excited for what they can do from a Mike and Ted linebacker standpoint. Mm -hmm. All right. That's, that's a good way to lay it out. Now, I think when you look at the linebacker position in general for the Vikings, but then when, especially when you look at the, the inside linebackers, there's no question that. Asamoah's potential emergence is key. I mean, that, mm -hmm. that's, what this, that's what this whole thing will revolve around. Mm -hmm. It looks like he's ready to be given the chance to emerge. And I don't see any scenario in which that he isn't presented that opportunity short of the Vikings. Like whoever the best middle linebacker is in the draft or second best middle linebacker is in the draft, unless they take that guy, you know, Asamo is, and even if they do, I think Asamo is still going to get that opportunity. So mm -hmm. um, now Flores wasn't here last year and Asamo looked like he was ready to ascend at the end of last year. But I, I presume that they're all on the same page about that. You know, so in fact, that um, makes me something I'm really excited for when you look at the fact that Brian Os or Brian Flores rather was a linebacker uh, expert, so to speak, yeah. especially for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And when you look at the deficiencies of Brian Osamoa, the biggest area in which he struggled was tackling. And yeah. if you're trying to evaluate as a coach, how do I make my linebacker better in a given category? If you're looking at it at tackling, the number way to improve that is to teach them proper technique. And I would actually label Brian Flores as a top five and at worst top 10 teaching coach in the NFL. He is tremendously known for his teaching acumen. And if you take someone like Brian Asamoah, who is now going into his second season, and if you're really struggling with tackling, which means you need to give them good technique, I would pick no, no one other than Brian Flores yeah. to help improve in that category. Yep. Yeah. I think that's well stated. So, you know, the Vikings, I think are in good position here to improve pretty dramatically in this spot because mm -hmm. Hicks comes back. So you have an element of stability and a veteran steady presence. And then you've got an unknown 
big upside prospect who's not a rookie. He's got one season under his belt, you know, so there are some natural learning curve things, some natural potholes that one might fall into as a rookie that he will not. Mm -hmm. So I think you're in a very strong position here from your two starters to see improvement from this, these two positions. Mm -hmm. I don't like anything behind them. I don't like depth there. I think you're hurting. Hopefully it doesn't matter. You know, hopefully those two guys play. I mean, you said uh, Kendrick's played a thousand snaps. I hope Asamoah plays a thousand snaps next year. Agreed. You know, Agreed. yeah, completely. So, um, but I don't really like the depth there, and that's no disrespect to to those guys. But I, I think that's a spot for them to address at some point here in the off season. But the two starters, I think they know who they are, and I think mm -hmm. they can win games with them next year inside. Yep. What do you think of Troy Reader, the guy that we just signed from the Rams? Well, actually from the Chargers and then previously the Rams. Yeah, I mean, I think they probably like him. And so maybe they're like, if they listen to that, they'd be like, what do you mean? We signed Troy Reader. We have good depth there. And maybe it's unfamiliarity for me, but I just, I don't love it. I, I don't, I look at the depth chart in the roster and I'm like, that's a spot that they need to supplement late in the draft mm -hmm. or undrafted free agency or you know, uh, free agent signings, third, fourth tier free agent signings. I, I think I'd bulk up there. Yep. Uh, I would have a similar opinion. And honestly, when you look at the data, uh, it makes me wonder if the Minnesota Vikings are looking to have more of a linebacker room by committee, depending on situation. Uh, yeah. Because at the end of the day, Brian Asamoah is pretty phenomenal at coverage and has been a little bit suspect in tackling. So if he can improve his tackling, I think you have a, a pretty great starting linebacker that can survive in coverage and be at least okay at run defense. And when you look at the other side of the spectrum for Jordan Hicks, he's great against the run, but horrible against coverage, right? Now, when yeah. you bring it over to Troy Reader, he was pretty atrocious against the run, if we're being completely honest. He had a 50 grade, but when it came to coverage, he was absolutely elite. In fact, he was actually one of the best middle linebackers in football. Um, mm. He's actually the third best in, in football um, from a coverage standpoint. He had an 89.6 grade. So mm. pure speculation here, but makes me wonder if they are planning on uh, swapping out middle linebackers, depending on a uh, scenario where if they know the team is going to pass or have a pretty sub good package, uh, yep, exactly a sure. sub package where they're going to be elite from a middle linebacker room in a coverage standpoint. Yeah. So and, and uh, yeah. That you, I think that's a good call there, especially when you look at, um, you know, Kevin O'Connell and his his respect and understanding of the matchup element of football. Like mm -hmm. the Rams, when they went to the Super Bowl with Stafford and McVay, O'Connell obviously was on that staff. I mean, he they they were in eleven personnel all the time because they loved matchups and they mm -hmm. could they could get the matchups they want. So mm -hmm. I think O'Connell is going to come at it from an offensive perspective and be like, Hey, my defense needs to be prepared to match up if teams are going to do certain things to us to try and expose coverage problems. So yeah, that, exactly. that, that, that's a really good thought. And I think you're right about that. Um, <clears throat> you know, and so a passing down, you have reader and Asamoah out there, right. And base defense on a obvious running down it's Hicks and Asamoah out there probably. So, yep. I like that thought. Um, I do still think they need depth behind that. Uh, but linebacker by committee makes sense, especially if you're in a three, four defense. I mean, you need a whole bunch of linebackers, right? So, um, so I like that. Um, anything else specific here um, on the inside part of the linebacker room? 
Uh, no, I think that covers it. Okay. I, I do think uh, with Jordan Hicks only being under contract for just another year, I do expect that linebacker might be a position of priority uh, when it comes to the draft. Um, yeah. Now, unless something changes between now and the end of April, um, I do expect linebacker to be drafted relatively high, whether that's the first round or, you know, one of their first picks. Um, I do expect that to be a position that they, they try to push towards to help the team, you know, a year or two down the road. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And We'll see what happens. I don't see it being a first round pick and obviously it can't be in the second. So it's one of those mid mid round things probably, but um, you know, Quezzy going to move around too. So mm-hmm. the allotment of picks the Vikings have right now is not the allotment that they will finish with. I mean, they will, it'll be different, right? We know that. So um, yeah, I think a linebacker or two will, will be in the mix there. Um, all right, let's go to the edge outside linebackers and edge. Um I, not just from like a, a position standpoint or a defensive standpoint, but from a team standpoint, I don't think they're done here. Isn't it hard to foresee Zadarius Smith at his number being on the roster at the same time as like Delvin Cook at his number being on the roster? I mean, together their cap hit is like is 20 million, I think, uh, or in excess of that. Zadarius is 15.4, I do believe. I, I can't see that staying the same. Something's got to happen there. If you stick with Hunter, Davenport, and Zadarius Smith, it's expensive, but it's mm-hmm. pretty damn good. So you it's could do off. that. Yeah, you could do that and just be really good there and then pay the price elsewhere on your roster. But it's hard to see it being status quo and then also having Dalvin Cook. So something's got to give, I think, with Zadarius and Dalvin. I don't know which one it's going to be. Yep. I, I could not agree more. And that's a, an area where I do have two sides of a brain, because I think uh, when you look at the overall cap space, something does have to give. Yeah. But when you look at it in a vacuum and you look at the fact that Zedarius Smith is only making 15 million a year, I actually think that's a steal. Um, yeah. When you look at his production, especially in the first half of the year when he was fully healthy, he was one of the best edge rushers in the game. And I think when you look at uh, the price typically paid to top edge rushers, he was criminally underpaid last year. And I am... I am totally okay paying him $15 million in a vacuum towards that. Now, obviously we're in a salary cap league, so we can only pay so many players at so many times. Um, But I'm okay paying him that if we can find a way to keep him. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because when you look at our middle linebacker or outside linebacker room, rather from an edge standpoint, um, at least when you look at it last year, Outside of Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter, our edge room was horrible. Yeah, um, yeah. Patrick Jones, the second, he had a 62.5 grade. Um, Luigi Villan, he had a 58 grade. DJ Wanham had a 58 grade. Um, that's not great. So if you leave nope. one of those two players out, um, you're really struggling in that way. So if you don't have long-term plans to keep one or both of them inside the Minnesota Vikings facility, I actually think that might be another low-key um, route to go from a draft standpoint is drafting an edge rusher. Uh, yeah. Because outside of this year, you might really find yourself in a pickle. Yep, I agree with you. And look, like I, I know we all want to, like DJ Wanham or Patrick Jones, they might suit your eye from like a height, weight, speed, style standpoint but they are not what daniel hunter was when he was a rookie where you knew he was on the come and it was going to happen they are not what brian asamoa is about to be where it's like he's ready i mean anyone with you don't even need a keen eye anyone who watched games last year and saw asamoa knows that he's live and ready to go Mm -hmm. that is not where you're at with wanham and jones you're not there so if it's not zadarius it's got to be someone else that's an immediate plug and play player, I think. Mm-hmm. And 
you could elevate Davenport to be the other starter and then essentially replace Davenport with a plug and play guy, like a, a key backup. But mm-hmm. Hunter Davenport Zedarius is sharp. If you could go into the season with that, I would do it. And if it cost me Dalvin, I probably, I probably would go that route. Agreed. I, I'd much know, rather as, have that and move forward with us with Alexander Madison. I would, I would too, as opposed to keeping Dalvin, but losing Zedarius and then wondering what you're going to do for a third edge guy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so that's the way I would go too. And you're, you're totally right, Giles, that, I mean, think of it less than a million a game for a starting edge player. I mean, hell yes. A hundred percent. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's you, you, you pay at that position. That's a yes. premium position you pay for. And I wonder if that's, I wonder if he's feeling underpaid and that's why he is a little vocal about wanting to leave. Right? I would venture to say so. I, I mean, so. I don't know what promises were made in the last off season, but the, the contract was built in a way that was back heavy um, and recognizing beyond the, the, the requirements they put in there from a, an actual salary standpoint, when you look at the incentives, um, some of them were uh, easy to hit and some of them were not easy to hit. There's some, some different mm-hmm. uh, uh, adjectives that are used to describe both of those, but uh, they were pretty strategic in how they built yeah. the contract. Yeah. which made me think that they were planning on redoing his contract after a year was done, <laughs> waiting to see where the cap would go. But obviously they haven't redone yeah. it. So um, I don't know. I, so, he's still on the team. So there's a lot of different yep. nuts and bolts. It's to weird. To this. So the way that works is, um, is you have likely to be earned incentives. Yep. And those are incentives that are in your contract that you have achieved before. Mm-hmm. So, hey, specifically if get, in the last year. Yeah. If you get eight sacks, uh, we'll give you a million bucks. Well, if you had eight sacks last year, that's you're likely they, they would say you're likely to earn that. Mm-hmm. And so that is a cap charge that year. Before the year starts, that's a cap charge. If it's an unlikely to be earned incentive, it's an incentive you have never earned before or not in the last year. Mm-hmm. And then that is not a cap charge in the current year. If you achieve that, the team is charged the following. Yep, exactly. Yep, so that's exactly that's how that works. Um and I was reading up on Zadarius's. He does have some of those incentives in his contract, and they're achievable. I think it's ten sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously, that's achievable for him. I, I think, you know, if you if you try to project the Vikings' defense as being like, if you could see in the future, and it was the sixth ranked defense by all measure, any measure you look at, it was a number six in the NFL. It's hard mm-hmm. to see that happening without Zadarius Smith. Agreed, because he is quite a phenomenal player when he's healthy and on the field. Um, he's great at generating pressure. He's great in coverage. He is a prototypical outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense, yep. Uh, yep. especially when you bring in Brian Flores. Yep. I don't think he's over the hill. I, he, he might be microscopically declining in some areas, but I don't think you're dealing with uh, a player who's you know on the decline, like maybe the way they saw Adam Thielen uh, as a wide receiver declining. You're not seeing that right now with Zedarius. He is a natural scheme fit. And I saw another really cool stat about Zedarius because he came from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I think he's been on like a division winning team, like almost a division winning team or a playoff team, like every year of his career, almost, I think. So like, he's a culture guy. He's like, yep. he knows how, how it goes. And yep. more importantly, he knows how it doesn't go. So like mm-hmm. if it's kind of going the way it shouldn't go, he's going to know that right away mm-hmm. and step in yep. and help you fix it. So I, yep. 
I'd be on the table saying we got to find a way to keep this guy and make him happy. If the Wolf's got to cut a check for some more guaranteed money, another six mm-hmm. million or something like that, I mean, I'd be money well spent to me. A hundred percent, especially when you look at the fact that he was the, uh, the uh, outside linebacker with the most pressures and the most sacks for a big portion of last year. Or yeah. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I'm almost an advocate for extending both Daniil Hunter and Zedaria Smith to lower their cap hits, make them both happy. Um, and then if you're not able to achieve success in the 2023 season, then then you can explore trading them because. I don't see them taking such a big step backwards that you can't find some type of trade capital. Uh, And more importantly, if you are going to trade them, even if it's not for a first round pick, there's something to be traded for. It's not simply just a a one-year deal that they have left on their contract, um, where I think it gives you the more flexibility. Um, So uh, at the end of the day, that's what I'm kind of an advocate for because both of them are still producing at a high level. I just think they were misused last year. Yeah, yep. So to sort of summarize where, where we've landed here at linebacker, uh, let me let me give the recap and then you jump in, guys, and correct it or, uh, or add to it. On the inside, we believe they're set with who they're probably going to try to go to battle with, uh, down in and down out, with Hicks, Asamoa, and then you sprinkle in Reader and some sub packages. And the idea or concept here is um, the ceiling you had last year, uh, addition by sub by subtraction with, uh, Kendrick's out Asamoah in, uh, your ceiling last year can become your floor this year. Um, and we do expect them to add to this room via the draft with mid round or late round picks on the edge. We prefer they go with the top three they have right now, Hunter Davenport Smith in no particular order. Um, Wanham and Jones are developmental and depth guys. And whether they do or don't go this route, we do identify the edge defender as a sneaky, low-key draft priority this year for mm-hmm. the Vikings as they look to fulfill ro- the, the roster in 24, 25, and 26. That's sort of where I think we're at here. And we're keeping our ear to the ground on developments with Zadarius Smith and his future with the Vikings. We don't know. Mm-hmm. That's up in the air. Agreed. So, I think um, uh, you put it very well. Okay. Um, so would be really cool if they invested in a linebacker i think given the presence of flores for the reasons you mentioned giles you know like if they go to alabama or georgia um you know or clemson and get one of those nasty linebackers that those those universities churn out every single year it'd be kind of cool because i I think Jordan Hicks is, I mean, at this point in his career, he, he's, he's a mercenary. He's going year to year. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's a year to year guy everywhere he goes. He's always going to be a guy who can, he can do it for a while for you. You're like, you're not going to embarrass yourself with Jordan Hicks, but like, you're kind of, you got an eye on replacing him. Right. Okay. So if you got some third round stud or second round stud out of one of those big schools to pair with Asamoa next year and beyond with, with Flores teaching them, coaching them up, you'd be in good position there in that room. I could not agree more. And I I actually think aside from the next topic we're about to speak about, uh, which may or not be uh, a quarterback, Uh if we don't draft a quarterback, I do expect us to make a few additional moves where this becomes one of the highest priorities of draft. Okay. Yep. Well, three, four defense, you need good linebackers, man. And the the Vikings have some, but um, 
But because of contract situations and because we still would peg Asamoah as like an unknown and a potential guy, there isn't like you don't have like the Viking, the calling card linebacker just is not there for the Vikings. Right. So yeah. you're looking for that guy. Is it Asamoah? We'll find out. Could it be a draft pick? Possibly. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, good stuff there. Uh, we'll we'll continue to keep our focus on defense as we go position by position here on the Wobcast. 2.0 episode eight next week uh, we'll go to another defensive position but um let's transition now to the draft and quarterback and close out this episode of the wobcast that way i wanted to talk about this because there's just been a lot of weird chatter in vikings nation there always is around cousins right but mm-hmm. there's just been some weird tangential things about Lamar Jackson and Will Levis and um, just, I don't know. It's, it's all just kind of out there and it needs to be talked about. I think the Lamar Jackson thing's a pipe dream and will not happen. And Agreed. I am not sure about much in my life, but I am sure that Giles would not want the Vikings to go the Lamar Jackson route. I am like so sure about that. Am I right? Um- I've thought a lot about this because I've okay. even tried to convince myself into this, but based on the moves that the Minnesota Vikings have made this off season, I don't think it's going to happen. Whether you want it to, or you don't, they wouldn't have uh, done what they did to their contract or to specifically to his contract. If they planned on making this happen, yeah. um, they pushed so much money, dead money into the future that if they planned on making this, they wouldn't have done that. Furthermore um, you are getting, uh, a great quarterback. I, I, if you were to actually explore that trade, I do think you would get a good quarterback, but I think what you're making up in mobility, you are losing an accuracy and passing. I think he yeah. is highly overrated when it comes to a passing, um, uh, passing quarterback. And really when I look at a quarterback that is mobile, I'm looking for a quarterback that has the ability to read his progressions one, two, three, then realize that nothing's going to happen and then use his mobility to save yeah. the play, not yes. have it become the play itself. And yes. With all due respect to the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, I view him as someone that only does one, maybe two reads and then uses his legs for the play versus as a recovery to the play. And I think that's where when you explore what they've done with Lamar Jackson, which is a a solid institution, they haven't really gone the distance with him, unfortunately. And yeah, and initially when you're that mobile, exactly. His his uh, health has become a big liability. Yeah, that that was your thing all the time with Lamar, Giles. I remember Mm -hmm walking into the office with you and like one of you, you've always said, like, I don't think he'll be a starting quarterback for the Ravens in like 2024. And like, that was like in 2020. And I'm like, wow, he's like, he's going to be the league MVP this year. And Giles is sitting here saying he probably won't be there in four years. And I, you might be right, you know, because of the wear and tear with that being said, if your deal is like, we're, we're John Harbaugh and the Ravens and we're big offensive line and a bunch of tight ends and Lamar and we're going to run and running back. But that's cool. You, they won a lot of games. I mean, they they've been in the hunt almost every year. It's just not the way I would go about it. That's that doesn't suit my eye. I think it's intimidating at times to play against that style. I mean, Mm -hmm. late in the season in Baltimore, it's rainy or sleety or snowy and cold and they're tough and physical, good defense. They run the ball like crazy. I mean, it's, it's a handful to deal with that, but it's not tried and true in the NFL. It's not, yeah. it's not the route to go. I, I don't believe the Vikings are not in position to do that with their, no. with their supporting cast. So it's, yeah. it's not happening, but there there's been a lot of just like uh, cousins offered a discount and the Vikings didn't take him up on it. They didn't extend his contract. Mark Wilf went on 
good morning football and might've said some things in code that people tried to read into. And so I just thought we got to talk about this uh, from a draft perspective. Mm-hmm. And someone made a really interesting comment uh, that I saw on Twitter, which I can't remember who it was, but it was a highlight of Will Levis. No, it was a highlight of Matthew Stafford and a comment about Will Levis saying, I know Kirk Cousins is incredibly accurate and the Vikings love Kirk Cousins, but Kevin O'Connell was on a Rams team that won a Super Bowl with a quarterback who could do this. And it was like Matthew Stafford with an absolute bazooka of a pass 60 yards down the field and then tied it to Will Levis being like the guy in the draft who can do this is Will Levis Mm -hmm. speculating the Vikings and Will Levis could be a potential match. Now, I think Will Levis is going to go before the Vikings could pick in the draft. That's my prediction or my guess. But it brings up a good question. Guile says, you know, edge defender, pass rusher, sneaky priority in the draft. Is quarterback a sneaky pick for the Vikings in the first round? When you come at it from the standpoint, the draft is not about winning games next year. The draft is about planting seeds and building a roster. Mm -hmm. Do you take a quarterback early and have him sit behind Cousins? and let cousins walk after the season and go with the guy you drafted this year. Is that absurd? I don't think it's absurd. And because of the reasons that you just mentioned, I think that's becoming more and more likely. I mean, yeah. even Chad Reuter uh, did a, a mock draft and he drafted or uh, mocked uh, Will Levis to the Vikings, because at the end of the day, there's a lot of different ways that this draft can play out. And um, unfortunately, when you evaluate all the different players, quarterback included, that have had their stock rise during uh, things like the, uh, the the Senior Bowl and the, the Combine and things and, like that yep, and the Pro Days, yep. um, unfortunately, Will Levis has dropped. Someone like uh, Anthony Richardson, his stock has only increased to the fact that I think he's still in the running for number one overall pick. And someone like Will Levis has not done as well. With that yep. being said, I think he's still primed to go in the first round. But once you get out of the first probably five to 10 picks. I think you're getting into a category where the teams in play, um, they need other things. They're going to go for wide receiver. They're going to go for offensive line or for edge rushers or cornerbacks, where I think there's a chance that the quarterback could slip down. I mean, even uh, Justin Fields fell to what 11, um, where I think, uh, I think there's a chance he could slide all the way down there where he either falls to you at 23, or he at least falls into a place where you could realistically go grab him without giving up the absolute farm to make it happen. Because if you're evaluating your option to go get Lamar Jackson or someone like Will Levis, although Will Levis is a question mark, I'd much rather go after someone like Will Levis because you're getting the rookie scale contract associated to it. If you're going to stay with a, a veteran quarterback, so to speak, I'd much rather stay with Kirk Cousins, understand his strengths and understand his weaknesses. There's the same set of strengths and weaknesses with Lamar Jackson. They're just different. It's a different formula, but you still have strengths and weaknesses. And at least with Kirk cousins, you know, you have reliability, you have accuracy, you have a very great deep ball. You just don't have mobility. You don't necessarily have that clutch machine to him. But if you then prioritize taking a a veteran quarterback and putting in all the other chips around him, I'd much rather stick with that. So um, if you have the option, I don't think uh, it's unrealistic to say, let's go get Will Levis. Okay. All right. So let's, let's, the rest of the show, we're going to do this. This is what we're going to talk about. Okay. And we could, this could go on forever. We're not going to do that. So stick with us, but I am so intrigued by this idea of Will Levis, specifically him. I'm not doing Anthony Richardson or some other fast riser out of nowhere. I'm talking about a guy that we all know who's got plenty of tape and fits the prototype that I believe Kevin O'Connell would look for. 
Mm-hmm. And Will Levis is that. So he's there at 23. There, as well as they, as, as much time as they spend at projecting what's going to happen and needs, I think they're pretty dang good at knowing what other teams are going to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could realistically project and be sure that Will Levis will fall to 23. There's just too many dominoes ahead there. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just reminds me of Aaron Rodgers falling the way he felt. Like you, there's, you just didn't see that happening. I mean, especially yeah. that position. But they still need to have this conversation in the event it does happen. Because if you take Will Levis at 23, I mean, this is a significant issue for you with Kirk Cousins. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a shot across. I mean, you're telling him that you're done with him. Yep. After this season, that's what you're but telling the sheer me. fact that you've declined his option to extend him also kind of sends that same message. Oh, you um, think? or at okay. least, I mean, I might be completely wrong here. You've obviously been in the building <laughs> a lot more than I have, but yeah. if, if the, the Vikings go to the table and Kirk cousins goes to the table and says, I'm willing to take a pay cut, extend me. And they say, no, thank you. That says either we're done with you or we're on wait and see mode with you. We want to play one more year and see if you can go the distance. And this is a contract year, so to speak, for you. Um, so, I mean, you're if you draft someone, that's either this is your replacement or this is just a, a really overqualified backup for you. Yeah. But really, at, at the end of the day, they said we're, we're not committing to you long term. Yeah. I mean, I when you are dealing with the draft, like integrity of information and integrity of your intentions is paramount is mm-hmm. absolutely paramount. You, you can't let almost anyone know what you're thinking of doing outside of your room. And I know for a fact that there were times when there were people in the draft room who didn't know what we were doing. We, even when we were picking in the top 10, they weren't sure because yep. Rick and whoever the coach was at the time would keep it close to the vest because it's in the best interest of the franchise and it might offend some of the people in the room, but it's like, uh, sorry, like we, we just can't tell anyone what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. So, but if, if, if you know, you're taking a quarterback and you already have a franchise quarterback, but you know, you're taking one, or if it's even a realistic possibility at all, I think you got to sit down with your quarterback and say, Hey, this might happen. Mm-hmm. And if, the right quarterback is there when we're on the clock at 23 or when we're on the clock at a certain point, we're going to take him. You're our guy. You're going to be the starter. You're not looking over your shoulder. We're not going to replace you with him. You're the guy, but we got to think about the long-term interest of the team. And we're going to take this guy. That's the right, in my opinion, that's the right way to handle it. And even if you do that in this situation and you take Will Levis, it strains the relationship with cousins, even in the, in the, even in the, in the here and now yep. it does. Yep. I, I don't think you can help, but if you're Kirk cousins, but to start moving a foot out the door mentally. Yep. But, and, but regardless, I think he's still in a position where he needs to prove it. If he plans on playing beyond 2023, if he plan, okay. I mean, if he's going to become a free agent and go get top dollar somewhere else, he's still incentivized to go perform very well. And I yep. think if you compare the Minnesota Vikings to the San Fran 49ers, there's some similar elements where the 49ers gave up the absolute farm to move up to go get Trey Lance. And they planned on using Jimmy G in that second season. Now, obviously there's a lot of injuries that happened. Um, and ultimately Brock Purdy was the guy, um, but 
at the end of the day, they seemingly were okay. Now, maybe you took a, a different opinion on this, but they, they tried to call out to all the different parties involved, like Jimmy D's our guy, we just got to take our shot. Uh, and at the end of the day, neither of the two other starting quarterbacks here moving yeah. forward, yeah. Um, just showing that we have to take shots at putting the best players on the field. And um, we want to provide a long-term option, whether it's next year or doing the Packers thing where we're going to have a guy sit behind you for the next three, um, yeah. uh, taking a shot at someone that we think can improve our franchise. I just, <clears throat> I just think it's so interesting to think about the dynamic in that room mm -hmm. if they take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's awkward. A hundred percent. I mean, when I look at that, you'd have to have some pretty strong and, and more importantly, real conversations Man. to be able to prevent that from going sour real it, quick. And it, it's, it's not surface level. It's not in the best interests of the 2023 Vikings to take a quarterback at 23 because of the reasons we've mentioned about how, how can you help but not be offended if you're cousins and does it hurt that dynamic, the game planning and, the idea exchange, because like when a quarterback is comfortable, when a quarterback is good and trusted and he's comfortable and he's, he feels like the team's committed to him and he sits down. And I mean, I've seen NFL films, mic'd up clips of Brady and Belichick mm -hmm. in Belichick's office, talking about Ed Reed and talking about this and that and concepts and defense and offense and how I look at this. And that's a very high end example, but that should be going on in, in every building. I believe. And I just think that that dynamic is hurt. If you take a quarterback at 23 between O'Connell and cousins, however, it is absolutely in the best interest of the 2024, 25, 26 Vikings to take a quarterback at 23. If you like that quarterback. Mm -hmm. So it's a very precarious position for the team to be in. And these are things that GMs and coaches deal with every single year across the league. Mm -hmm. the Vikings are absolutely a potential team to be dealing with that in this year's draft, because I can see a quarterback like Will Levis falling and that situation is right in front of them. It's crazy. 100%. Yeah. And then it just gets down to what is most important for Quizzy, um, keeping Kirk Cousins happy for one more year to still achieve um, a competitive rebuild, rebuild type posture where you can still be competitive this year, but we're still planning for the future. Or if you, choose differently with the, this year's first round pick you go linebacker wide receiver something like that um, and then take a quarterback next year um, the only downside to that is similar to what you had when you drafted Christian Ponder where you needed a quarterback you went into the draft needing a quarterback and I think that's a really tough spot to be in because yeah. now from a negotiation standpoint you are in the the backseat, so to speak. When you're negotiating with people, people know that, and now they can overcharge. So now you're yep. going to have to simply pay more to go up or go maneuver where you need to go when teams know what you need versus when you can hold the yes. cards close to your vest. Yes. You're a lot more of a power position. Yep. I, I don't think there's a quarterback that realistically can the Vikings could get their hands on this year who would not benefit from sitting his first year behind cousins. Agreed. You know, and I might even say CJ Stroud could benefit from that. Probably. Mm -hmm. He probably could. No, CJ Stroud absolutely could, should step in and play day one. I mean, he, he should, I don't know if anyone else should. I don't think Will Levis is an exception to the idea that you would benefit by watching a guy do it the right way. And cousins mm -hmm. absolutely is that, I mean, mm -hmm. we can, we can nitpick him all we want. Um, and 
do the house fire analogy all we want. And is he ever going to win a Super Bowl? All we want. I don't know, but does he do it the right way? Does he play the position the right way? Does he prepare the right way? Does he represent the organization? The right- yes, 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 yes. Checks every box. Mm-hmm. And to have a guy sit and watch that for a year, monumental in Huge. that guy's development. Yep. And the Vikings would be very smart to do that. And yep. if they have the, the balls to do that, I mean, I would, I would applaud them. I would be so impressed if they took a quarterback at 23. Yeah. For all the reasons you mentioned, and even beyond that, Kirk Cousins is maybe second to none when it comes to preparation. Uh, when yeah. you view all the quarterbacks in the NFL, he's maybe the most prepared on the field. Now, I mean, maybe that's a slight against him from some people's eyes that he prepares and he still can't get it done. But if you can show what hard work work ethic looks like to a newbie, I think that's huge. And whether yeah. it's this coming off season, or even if you found a way to, to onesie, twosie, uh, extend Kirk Cousins for the next three, four years, he's not going to play that much beyond that. So at some point you do need to pull that trigger. Now I'm never a, a Kirk Cousins hater, like some others where we need to move off him because he'll never win a Super Bowl. Um, but at the end of the day, we will have to move off of him some point. And uh, I think it's, it's definitely an interesting talking point to see if it'll happen this off season. Yeah. So uh, um, just put, putting myself on the spot, I don't think it will happen. I don't think they'll take a quarterback at 23. I think Cousins will be their guy, and I think it's more likely that they find a way for him to be the quarterback next year than that they draft his replacement. That's my gut. Mm -hmm. Do you see it that way too, or do you see them taking a quarterback? So I have one of two positions in my head. I either absolutely see them drafting a quarterback this year because I don't think they – they like drafting a quarterback next year if they do plan on moving off in between this and next offseason because Quezzy is a is a stock market guy, big on negotiation, and doesn't ever want to enter the room in the lower hand. So if okay. they do plan on moving yep. off yep. of Kirk, it will be this draft because um, I don't see Lamar happening. Um, if they do stick with Kirk, I'm interested to see what they would do from a, a contract standpoint because they push so much money into the future that that tells me that they are trying to motivate him if they do plan on sticking with him, they're trying to show him, we're going to go into this into a contract year. We want you to perform to your absolute best. And if you reach this, we're going to give you the farm, whatever you yep. want. We're going to extend you long-term, but we need you to prove it one more year and you need to show up. Yep. Um, that's the only reason in my opinion, maybe I'm off, but that's the only reason that they would do what they've done yeah. to his contract thus far. Okay. So you're a little undetermined. You're yes. not sure. I'm riding okay. the fence. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. You're riding the fence, which is totally okay. I I don't see it happening. Chase, do you see him okay. taking a quarterback at 23? No, I just think we've made it very clear who our QB1 is, and I think we're going to roll with that. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We're going to talk about this every <laughs> single week. This is, uh, this is absolutely in the discussion because we have to talk about the draft. Every episode of the Wobcast 2.0 from now until – it happens. We're talking draft mm-hmm. and it's just, it's the, it's the elephant in the room for sure. Um, you know, and obviously you'd love to bulk up at other positions and not have to worry about quarterback, you know, and mm-hmm. using that pick, uh, especially with the Vikings not having picks in other rounds in this draft. So, uh, but man, the idea of a, of a quarterback in that spot is so intriguing. If it's the right guy, if it's a guy yeah. they love and O'Connell really likes, you know, yeah. so. don't reach for it. If, if you think you just need a quarterback for the sake of quarterback, that's exactly. never the right route. Exactly. And the, and the other thing too here is, is who's to say that, you know, O'Connell doesn't just love a guy that they can get in the third round. I mean, cause that could happen too. Mm-hmm. And the sneaky good thing about that approach is 
you can very easily downplay it and be like, no, you know, it's, it's, it's depth. You know, we, I mean, you could come up with some stat where it's like, you know, 27 out of 32 teams played three quarterbacks or more last year. And I'm sure mm-hmm. some stat like that exists, you know, and you could just be mm-hmm. like, we, you know, we took this guy in the third round pick, you know, we don't think he's going to, you know, but you really actually love him and you want yep. him to learn behind cousins and develop them. We did so that with that, Kellen Mond. Yeah. Yes. They did do that with Kellen Mond. So that's a potential outcome this year as well. If it doesn't happen at 23. So, all right. Um, that's it. That's all I got. You guys got anything else in, in the notebooks for this episode? No, I think that'll cover it inside yeah. linebackers. We're about to get a lot better. Super excited. Yeah. And uh, a big question mark at quarterback. Yep. Uh, a lot to talk about. I'm sure some things are going to happen between now and next week uh, that the Vikings uh, do or don't do. So we'll talk about that next week. We'll talk more defense next week. And of course, we'll hit on the draft. So um, if you haven't listened to previous episodes of the Wapcast 2.0 and you want to remember, you can find it wherever you find all your other favorite podcasts. You can also subscribe to the Wapcast in those same spots, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. You can find us on YouTube as well. That's going to do it for this episode of the Wobcast 2.0. We are done for now, but we are back next week. For Giles and Chase, it's Wobby signing off for now. Skull Vikings.